You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. All right, cool. Well, hey, Andrea just mentioned my name in prayer, but in case you didn't get it, it's on the screen. Uh, most of you guys look like your family, but I know we may have a few, a few visitors. So you, you may have noticed, if you came in late, you may have missed uh, Andrea mentioning that we have a family retreat this weekend. So that's why, that's why there are a few extra seats. I almost feel like I should come down on the floor, but I'll, I'll stay up here. It's not, it's not too terribly um, low in here. But we have 16 families up on the mountain in, uh, in Avery County. And there's a retreat center up there, and our lead teaching pastor, Brad Talley, he is there, thankfully. I'm so happy he got to go, along with uh, David Calvert, our creative arts director. So I get to preach this morning, and I'm very grateful for the opportunity. And Andrea led us in worship. I'm very grateful for uh, how the Lord has gifted her and her willingness to to, uh, lead us in worship while, while David is gone. So if this is your first time here, welcome. I am so glad you're here. But I also hope that you will come back next week whenever you get to meet our lead teaching pastor and you get to meet our creative arts, arts director and uh, 14 other families that, that are up on the mountain this morning. Glad you guys are here. So I'm sure they're having fun. Andrea prayed that they're, they're having a good time. I'm sure they're having a good time that the Lord has been uh, working with them. Uh, there's something magnificent about going to camp, and I think what makes it so special is that you get up there, you don't have cell phone service. It might be frustrating for like the first five minutes, and then you're, you're very glad you don't have cell phone service. But you get up there, you don't have cell phone service, there's, there's a pot of coffee always made, there's no TVs, you just sit around and you talk. And then you go into the meeting room, you worship together, and then you hear a message, and then you go and you talk some more. And the Lord really uh, works at camp, and I think part of it is just getting away, setting aside some time to uh, spend time with family, with the Lord, and with, with one another. But TVR is near and dear to my heart, as you know, because I spent so many years there. Uh, Pastor Brad did too as well. He was there for 20 years. That was his life, was the director of the camp. And what I love about camp ministry is what I love about church ministry. It's people. It's people. And you get to know people. People would come in from all over the place to TVR for a weekend or for a week, and I would get to hear their stories. And I would always be amazed at how the Lord had worked and crafted their stories to lead them to where uh, they were in their walk with the Lord, and ultimately to the side of a mountain that they're at a Christian camp. Like God is magnificent in how he crafts our stories and how he creates things to lead us places that we never thought we would go. But that's how creative God is. God is creative in so many ways, not to mention in how he creates in our stories in ways we can never imagine. I want you to, I want you to just think of create, the creativity of God. For example, Sunny Skies ice cream. You love Sunny Skies ice cream, right? If not, that's okay, but I love Sunny Skies ice cream. Even think of the new Nerds ice cream I hear they have. I don't know if you've tried it, but Andrew Ray, one of our guys, he works there, tells me about this Fruity Pebbles ice cream, this Nerds ice cream. I'll give it a shot. But even, even that is from God that we can taste it and we can wonder, like, wow, what, what is this? Now, I know Scott, the person who makes the ice cream, he's dumping the boxes of nerds into the ice cream making machine, whatever it looks like. And maybe Willy Wonka made the nerds so that we can, can have nerds ice cream, but God made the sugar so that we can taste the sweetness and the sourness and try to wonder, wow, what, what is this I'm tasting right now? God is so creative, not just in our lives. He's creative in the way he allows us to taste things, the way we see things. I want you to think about your favorite color. 
God gave you that color. Cheyenne Powell walked in a little bit ago. I could see everyone from up here, so watch out. I don't want that to scare you. But I could, Cheyenne Powell walked in with the most colorful dress. I can't wait to see her afterwards and tell her how beautiful her dress is. Whenever God inspired the creator of that dress, I bet he had Cheyenne in mind, who was sitting down here. Like God gives us eyes to see color, imaginations to understand and perceive it. I want you to think about smells. This is, say, your, your favorite flower. A lot of things budding this time of year. You may hate it as you scratch your eyes. You may love it, though, as you smell it. I think it's like a love-hate thing. I, I, it's worth it to get to smell the beautiful things that are budding. What flower do you love to smell? God gave you that smell. It's glorious. Think about our bodies, the way God has created our bodies. I mean, he's given us a distinct Think, think of voices even. I want, you to, I want you to recall the voice of your mother. Maybe you haven't heard the voice of your mother in 20 years. Or maybe you heard the voice of your mother 45 minutes ago. But you know the voice of your mother because God made her voice distinct. God is creative that way. There's one voice of one mother that you can hear right now in your head. Maybe it's the voice of your children from when they're two all the way up until they're 20. You know the voice of your children. God is so creative in that we have different colors of hair, different color eyes. People have different mannerisms, different body shapes. People have different laughs. I think God loves to laugh because we love to laugh and hear laughter. I can't wait to hear Jesus laugh. I, I, mean, I just know he loves it, and I think it's going to be great. God even gives us distinct laughs. He's glorious. And I think that all God has given us in this world stir up inside of us this wonder like how glorious is God? If you're asking that, if you want to know how glorious God is, then I have news for you. It's even better than you can imagine. And this morning, Isaiah is going to kind of peel back a little bit of the layer and kind of give us a spoiler alert that one day you are going to get to not only see, you are going to experience the glory of God like you cannot even imagine. And chapters 24 through 27 is where we're going to be this morning in Isaiah. And he's given us this glimpse of what the glory of God is going to be like. And God's people say, yes, I can't wait. I can't imagine how good it's going to be. But you know what? Not everybody looks forward to this day. Isaiah in 24 through 27, he's going to give us this, this snapshot, this picture of what the end of the world is going to look like. He spent some chapters giving us uh, the, 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 the layout of how judgments are going to happen or about specific, uh, to specific nations. And now he's going to say, I'm going to show you how it's all going to come down at the end. And it's going to be glorious because God is glorious. But not everyone thinks God is glorious. You see, not everyone goes around thanking God for the things they can taste, the things they can see. No one, not everyone goes around thanking God for the heart that's beating in their chest that they have no control over because they think God owes them for the efforts that they give. And it's what they rightfully have earned. They take care of their body. That's why their heart beats. You see, some people, they don't give God glory because honestly, they're just not quite convinced that God exists. Some people don't give glory to God because they don't believe he's real. But if he ends up being real, they think they'll go with their chances. 
gosh, maybe there's even some of you in here who think this way. And let me tell you, if you're not so convinced that God is who he says he is and that he's glorious, then I am so glad you're here. And I want you to know that God is really so glorious that he has a purpose for you being here. That he has seen to it that you are sitting where you're sitting today and you are hearing the words you're going to hear. He has written his word to you so that you can understand. God has given you a, a curiosity in your mind. He's giving a craving to you in your heart that you want to know if this is real. And God is going to meet you and he's going to blow your mind with how real and glorious he is. And God doesn't do this. He doesn't bring you here and to this point to where you meet him because he needs you. God doesn't need you. God does this because we need him. And we have no hope of finding him on our own. So he comes to us himself. God doesn't need us. We need God. And if you're okay with a statement like that, then I believe God may be getting ready to change your life. He's going to change your eternity actually. So we're continuing our study through the book of Isaiah this morning. And if you've been here for the last month or two, you know Pastor Brad is walking through the book of Isaiah. And last week we covered a huge chunk of scriptures. And this week we're covering a smaller chunk of scriptures. But we have to speed up going through the book of Isaiah or you guys are going to get, uh, you get worn out, right? So we're going to take a chunk this morning, chapters 24 through 27. And Isaiah, as I mentioned earlier, he's going to peel back a little bit, and he's going to just give us a glimpse of what we are to expect whenever the end comes. And Isaiah wants us to know this this morning. Isaiah is saying, you glorify man, your life's going to end in a waste. Glorify man, end in a waste. Glorifying God, though, will end in welcome. Glorifying man going to end in a waste. Glorifying God will end in welcome. We're going to see in chapter 24 this morning that God, he's going to be glorified in the end. In chapter 25 this morning, we're going to see that God welcomes his people. And in chapter 26, we're going to see that God will see his people through. In chapter 27, God will be worshiped forever. Wow. So typically we stand whenever we read the scripture here on Sunday morning, but because we're covering four chapters, we're not going to read all four chapters of scripture. I'm going to just read a verse here and there, so I'm going to ask you to remain uh, seated this morning and just hear the word of the Lord as it's read. But before we dive into our text for this morning, let me go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on our time. Father, we thank you for the word that you have given us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that's at work in us. Father, we pray that you'll be glorified in this next little bit. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Isaiah gives us in chapter 24 what to expect whenever the Lord says, hey, it's time. Whenever the Lord says, this, it is time for the reign of evil to be done, and whenever he decides, it's time for the reign of righteousness. Now, your first thought might be when you hear this, that God can stop this whenever he wants, this evil we're aware of. Scott even mentioned in his, in his prayer and talk about the Lord's Supper, this, this evil that is happening around us. If God can just call it, then why doesn't he just go ahead and call it now? And I think if we go around asking questions like that, we probably lack some perspective. We probably lack some perspective of God's power. I'd say we lack some perspective of God's mercy. I think of it as being like holding a candle that you want to light, but you don't have a lighter. And you're like, God, if you can light it, I mean, if you, if you can make it lightning, I mean, light the candle then. I mean, come on, I need some light. 
probably lack a little perspective of God's power. He lights the candle. He's able. You're going to be done. <laughs> Maybe we lack perspective of God's mercy. It's merciful that he's not lighting it with lightning right now just because he is able. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So instead of questioning God, we can find comfort as in John's words that he says at the end of Revelation, come Lord Jesus, because we know Jesus will come. And whenever he comes, that's it. It's going to be the end. We don't have to anxiously wait. What's going to happen when the Lord comes? Should we ask him to come? Like, no, Lord, come, because we know what's going to happen at the end. And we know evil will cease. Righteousness will reign. But we also know this. We don't control the clock. God does. We want him to come. We know how it's going to end. He hasn't come. I don't know. I trust the Lord. Children of God trust the Lord. That's part of surrendering to God, surrendering to his ways, to surrendering to the glory of God is to say, God, I trust you not only in my circumstances, not only in what you're doing in this world. God, I, I trust your timing because you're God and I'm not. I, I read Johnny uh, Erickson Tata talk about her Sunday school teacher who once told her this. Sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. That intrigued me. Guys, God is patient. God is giving you right now, if you haven't, to respond to his mercy, to glorify him. God's given us time to repent before the end. But he's not giving us forever. We don't have forever. Just as heaven is going to come for God's children, the end is going to come for all evil. Let's look at Isaiah 24, verse 1. Behold, the Lord will empty the earth and make it desolate, and he will twist its surface and scatter its inhabitants. Guys, Isaiah is drawing for us this scene that is horrible in the first 20 verses of chapter 24. Desolation. God's not going to be partial. It's because of the, the, the defilement of sin, the earth is withering, it's, 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 it's groaning, and God's going to punish, he's going to punish the people with the priest, he's going to punish the, the slave with the master, the maid with her mistress, the lender with the borrower, the creditor with the debtor. God knows, shows no partiality. It doesn't matter your status, God shows no partiality when it comes to punishing those who, has not, who have not glorified God. God has one division, and his division is this. Those who have joyfully surrendered their life to the Lord in his ways, and those who have rejected the Lord in his ways. And for those who reject him, it doesn't look good. Verses 5 through 6, the earth lies defiled under its inhabitants, for they have transgressed the laws, violated the statutes, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse devours the earth. And its inhabitants suffer for their guilt. Therefore, the inhabitants of the earth are scorched. Few men are left. Guys, one word comes to my mind whenever I read this. Devastation. Devastation. All that man has worked for. All that humans have built up. All they have accomplished without glorifying God. At the end, it's going to be wasted. All that man does apart from God, in the end, it's going to be nothing. 
Verse 10, the wasted city is broken down. Every house is shut up so that no one can enter. Guys, everything done by man for the glory of man is going to go back to how it once was. It is going to be nothing. From nothing it came, it's going to return to nothing. Guys, a life given by God that is spent rejecting God, it's going to be devastated by God. So I must ask, what are you giving your life for? What's your aim in life? What's your purpose in life? Who are you promoting in life? We see right here Isaiah saying this is how it's going to end if you glorify the things of man over the things of God. He did it in Babel and God will do it again. If your aim is not glorifying the Lord, then you are rejecting God and your efforts are going to be wasted. Guys, what, what, is, what does it look like to glorify God? You, to glorify God doesn't mean you have to sell everything that you have and go to the mission field. Though God may want some of you to do that. I think, I think we need to ask that maybe a little more often. But we can glorify God in everyday life because God is the creator of everyday life. We can glorify God going for a walk. You can glorify God while cooking a meal. You can glorify God while mowing the grass, while reading a novel. You can glorify God while closing your eyes to go to sleep. Thank you, Lord. You can glorify God even while disciplining your children. All that God has created, all he allows us to do, everyone he has created, exists for the glory of God. So is it God's glory that is your concern? Or is it your own glory? Here's a bit of a test. Do you give God glory if you can't go on that walk anymore? Do you give God glory if you find it hard to make enough money to get the groceries to cook? Do you give God glory even if he hasn't given you kids to raise? This is hard. These are tough circumstances. I want you to know that, one, the Lord is near to you. And second, I want you to know God has given you the church family, to walk with you. But you see, our glory isn't, where we give glory to isn't dependent on our circumstances. God's children give glory to God no matter what because they trust him. They trust him. Whether I have or whether I don't, whether I get to or I don't get to, children of God trust their father. Think of, think of the Moody family just over a week ago, lost their 11-year-old daughter. We sat at First Baptist Fuquay, and they gave God the glory. The McKinney family, Ted, Miss Gell, this week said goodbye to their 92-year-old mother, Miss Kathleen, who sat back there every week, was just here last Sunday. What did they do right here Wednesday morning? They gave God the glory. Many of you have stood over a hospital bed. Many of you have laid in a hospital bed, and you have given God the glory. Many of you have sat out in your car in the parking lot after being let go from your job, and as the reality sets in, you choose to give God the glory. Why? That's crazy talk. Why do you do this? Because it's not in our circumstances. We give God the glory not because of our circumstances, but because of who he is. You see, our circumstances, they're going to change. But God, he never will change. We glorify him for who he is. Listen, God, listen, guys. Right now, 
how you glorify God, what you trust God with, that's eternal work. It matters not just for now. Guys, it's going to matter for eternity. It doesn't matter right now if you're the prettiest, if you're the strongest, if you're the smoothest. It doesn't matter if you're the, the smartest, if you're the hardest worker. If you choose to glorify yourself instead of God, then it's going to end in waste for you. But if you glorify God, it's going to end in welcome. And if you do, oh boy, does God have a show planned for you. Let's look at chapter 24, verse 23. What's it going to be like? The moon will be confounded and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of the host reigns on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and his glory will be before his elders. Guys, God is going to be glorified in the end. So much so, the moon's not going to hold a candle to it, not even the sun. God is going to be glorified in the end. I know we struggle sometimes. God's children do. It's normal, but we give God the glory no matter the circumstances. So guys, I want you right now to enjoy the opportunity God has given you. Whether that is good or bad, the circumstances God has given you, right now you have opportunity to give God glory for that because one day your faith is going to become sight and God is going to blow your socks off with his glory. If it's, your glory, if it's the glory of God that you want, the glory of God you're looking for, the glory of God you're speaking about, one day God can't wait to give you himself in all of his glory. I don't know what kind of TV you have, 4K, 3D, VR, whatever. It doesn't hold a candle for what God has in store and what he is going to reveal to his people. It's going to be our new reality. So worth it. But for someone who glorifies himself, if we don't glorify God, this, this whole scene that's going to happen one day doesn't sound good to us. It's because God is not who you want. You see, it's not going to be what you want because honestly, it's going to be downright terrifying for you. But God's going to get the glory in the end. God's going to get the glory over all the evil whenever he says, finished. God is going to get the glory even over all the people who rejected him in their punishment because they have chosen to reject him when God gave them the opportunity. God's opportunity for you is now to glorify him no matter your circumstances because we trust him. So God will be glorified in the end. Secondly, God will welcome his people. Guys, I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we get to heaven. I'm glad the Lord gives us these teasers, and I think it's going to be everything we can even dream about and even more. And don't you know there's going to be a meal? There's going to be a feast. Let's check out 25, verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich full of marrow, Rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well refined. Guys, God, he's going to have seen to it that the war is over. God is going to see to it that the, that the streets of the city of man, the men who have been building for their own glory, he's going to see to it that it's silent, that they're done with. And as their party starts to cease, God's going to be opening the doors for his children to come in for the banquet, for the table that he has prepared for all of eternity. The table's just the beginning for God's children. 
And y'all, the food is going to be great. I hope you like rich food. God must like rich food. That's what we're going to have. I imagine there's going to be some new recipes. It's not going to be too spicy. For those of you who don't like spicy food, it's not going to be too sweet. It's not going to be too salty. I bet the food is just going to be perfect. I bet it's going to be however you like it. And I don't drink wine. I don't like wine. But I'm going to have some of whatever Isaiah is talking about here because I'm sure it's going to be good. Can you imagine, guys? Whenever we get there, the children of God, we're sitting at the table, and the thought doesn't even cross your mind. I wonder if this is the last time we'll ever be together. I wonder if aunt so-and-so or uncle so-and-so or mom, I wonder if this is going to be the last. It's not even going to cross your mind. You're not going to sit around on the table. You're not going to think about the cancer that took someone away. It's not even going to cross your mind. You're not going to have to sit there and make plans with one another after the meal about what you're going to do if someone dies or make plans for contingency because life is happening. No. There's going to be no more death. God's wiping away our tears. And we're going to sit at this meal and we are going to glorify the Lord. And we're going to be saved, healed, fully, completely. It's going to be our new reality. Guys, who would not want a seat at this table? Those who don't glorify God don't want a seat at the table because it's not God that they really want. But I warn you, glorifying man will end in waste. But glorifying God, it'll end in welcome. So Isaiah tells in chapter 6 of a song we're going to sing. There's a lot about songs in Scripture. There's a lot of songs about even this passage, 24 through 27. Whenever we enter in for the feast, we're going to walk in singing, it says. Why not? We're going to be so happy. We're going to march in singing as we go to find our seat. Let's read of the song Isaiah says that will be sung in chapter 26, verses 3 through 4. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Guys, we just had two funerals in the last week. Just two days ago, there was another school shooting our country has suffered. Evil in all of its forms. Guys, I want you to know it's going to be finished, done with. But what do we do whenever we do face evil? Isaiah says, fix your mind on the Lord. Trust him, our rock. And you know what? He will give you peace. Even when there's evil, He'll give you peace. Verse 12 of 26. Oh, Lord, you will ordain peace for us. For you have indeed done for us all of our works. Guys, even amongst evil, God will see us through. If we seek to glorify the Lord in all that we are, then our souls begin to have peace right now, no matter your circumstances. You have peace, and that's why you can give God the glory no matter your circumstances. Because you have peace with God. Why does he give you peace? How do you have peace? It's as simple as this, because God gives his children peace. That's, that's the way he wants it. He ordains it. If you haven't figured it out by now, you probably are starting to understand that a boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't give peace. A husband and wife, it's not going to bring you peace. A paid-for house, not going to bring you peace. A newer car, a bigger house, a fully funded emergency fund, there's still no peace. There's only one way to receive peace, and that is to receive it from the one who can give peace, and that is God. He is the only one that can give peace. 
And he only gives it to his children. So you have nothing to brag about in yourself. You can't say, well, I am happy because I got the promotion. I'm happy because I have a good marriage. I'm happy because I have beautiful kids. Guys, let's not stop short. Now, your answer may include those things. You may be happy because retirement's coming, the vacation is coming. Those may be real reasons of your happiness. But we can't go around acting like we have intentionally ended up where God has seen fit that we land. He has given us these good things. He has given us the bad things. Either way, it is the God who we should glorify. God is in control. No matter what you're going through, the Lord will give his people peace now, in death, and forever. The Lord gives his children peace. For those of us who are on God's side, if you're a child of God, wow, we have quite a future. You see, our, our king, he's the one who created the world. Our king, he's the one who's going to save the world. Our king is good, and our king is going to be the one who will defeat evil. Our king will never be defeated, and neither will his people. We will worship the Lord forever. In chapter 27, verse 1, we're going to read about what the end looks like, and it involves slaying a dragon. That's our king. Verse 1, in that day, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. Isaiah, he can't think of any other way to describe the evil that is going to overcome, the evil that exists, other than referring to it as Leviathan. All right, Le the Leviathan's this this. this moral monster of chaos that we see that has existed since the fall of Adam. And Isaiah is trying to get us to understand this thing is nasty. This thing is powerful. This thing is ugly and it will destroy you. But it won't destroy God. And it can't destroy his people. God will be glorified in the end. And he's going to see us through. He's going to slay the dragon. And his children will finally, freely worship. No more distractions. No more handicaps. No more persecution. Freely worship the Lord. The dragon will fall. Evil will be no more. There's nowhere safer to be than in the family of God. Verses 12 and 13. In that day, from the river Euphrates to the brook of Egypt, the Lord will thresh out the grain, and you will be gleaned one by one, O people of Israel. And in that day, a great trumpet will be blown, and those who were lost in the land of Assyria and those who were driven out to the land of Egypt will come and worship the Lord on the holy mountain in Jerusalem. Oh my, I hope you'll be there. I, I hope we can sit together. I hope you will be at the feast. And guys, if you're not sure, I want you to be sure. If you're, sure, if you're not sure, God wants you to be sure. I can't, I can't imagine the amount of people 
who traveled all the way to England for the royal wedding just hoping they might find a way to get in or hoping they might find a way to get a glimpse. Guys, let me tell you, you don't have to travel across the ocean of this life with just a hope that somehow you can get into this feast. You don't have to go through this life hoping at the end, maybe you can just get a glimpse and God will notice you and he will pull you into the feast. No. God says you can know now and I want you to know now. If you're a child of God, then you will have a chair that's going to be pulled right up to the table. Your seat is secured. It's not going to be by chance that you end up at the feast. You're going to be welcomed home. It's where you belong. God wants you to be sure that you'll be there, so much so that God has made a way for your seat to be secured. But it has to be under another's name. Your reservation has to be under the name of Jesus Christ. So he sent Jesus so that you can have a seat at the table. But remember, this banquet's only for those who glorify God. If your aim is to give glory to yourself and do what you want, then you're not going to really want to be here. You're not going to be there. This feast is for those who admit their needs wholeheartedly. This feast is for those who trust God to meet them. This feast is for those who rightfully know they're headed to hell. Unless they are saved. Guys, you can't enter the banquet of God refusing to give him glory in all things. I want you to know God's given you an opportunity right now. God has given you an opportunity to change the trajectory of your life from from living for a waste at the end to an eternity in punishment. He's given you opportunity to start living for meeting. He's given you an opportunity for eternity in rejoicing. Which will it be? Will you stop trusting your plan and will you begin trusting God's plan? Will you surrender your own glory and give God glory? God made a way for you to be in eternity with him. And those of us who are children of God, we love being reminded of how God has made a way for us to be in eternity with him. We love being reminded of the good news and telling others how they too can have a seat at the table that we somehow have been given. sin tainted we're evil man our our impulse is just to reject god so god sent jesus for us now jesus perfect standing he came lived a perfect life for us that we can accept it yeah i have no hope of being good i i I can't glorify myself i'm so so messed up jesus i glorify him he's perfect for me And that's where the trusting and the glorifying part comes in. You have to be willing to admit that hell's rightfully in your future. And you have to respond by trusting God. Whenever this happens, you'll jump at the offer because you're convinced Jesus is the only hope of heaven that you have. Jesus is the only hope of eternal life with God that you have. Your name's not going to get you into the feast. Only by the name of Jesus will you be welcomed to the table. So whenever you realize this and you understand that this offer is extended to you right now, you're going to jump from the deflating life raft of your life you're floating on and you see that the waterfall of God's wrath is up ahead and you're going to jump and trust that God is going to catch you. And let me tell you, when both feet have left that raft and they're in the air and you're full out trusting God's going to have to save me, your seat's reserved at the table. It's there. You're not going to miss it. You know what? He's in control now. 
He's going to see to it that you do not miss this feast, and he is going to lead you all the way up to the table whenever it is time. And now you get to sit back, you get to trust. Whatever Leviathan throws, your, throws its way, throws your way, whatever evil is happening, whatever comes your way, you know how it's going to end. You trust God. Jesus has secured your seat at the table through his death on the cross. He's taken the punishment for your sins. So now you don't have to suffer God's wrath anymore. Guys, destruction is not in your future if you're a child of God. It's not. Because Jesus victoriously rose from the grave. You can breathe now. You know what's to come. And it's going to be so good. But if you're not trusting Jesus Christ, if you're not resting in, in him for your salvation, for your eternal salvation, then guys, I have to tell you, your doom, your destruction is as sure as Leviathan's. Evil's defeat, it's already started. It began at the cross. It's going to be completed. God's merciful. He gives time for people to repent, but we don't have forever. Guys, those who have put their faith in Jesus, we're no longer under the power of sin. We're not enslaved by fear anymore. Evil cannot keep us down because our glory is not in our circumstances or in our own power, but our glory is in God who is secure and who is sure and who is preparing a table for us. I hope you'll be there because when we get there, it's honestly going to be just the beginning. So what about you? Do you want to come to this feast that's prepared by God? If you do, then you got to be willing to give up your pride. You got to be willing to give up your glory. You got to even be willing to give up your name. You got to come under the name of Jesus because your name's not going to get you there. Jesus is the only one who can get you in. So spend your life glorifying man and yourself. It's going to end in waste. But spend your life glorifying God, and you're going to be welcomed. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the hope we have of eternal life. And by hope, I mean the assurance. Father, I thank you that evil doesn't catch you by surprise. Lord, that you are purposeful. Evil will come to an end. Lord, you've even used it for your purposes. But Father, I thank you that our security is in you. And that our eternity is going to be glorious with you. Father, I pray for any who do not trust in you, that they will repent while you have given them opportunity. While you give them the breath and the understanding to do so. Father, I pray that they will repent. And Lord, for those of us who are children of God, thank you. Thank you that we can glorify you amidst the evil of this world. Because our hope is in you, not in our circumstances. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.